The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2409. Today, the first of a two-part interview with Daniel Jose Older, author of, most recently, Star Wars The High Republic Adventures. Punch it. Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So here's the official bio. Daniel Jose Older, a lead story architect on the Star Wars cross-platform initiative, The High Republic, is the New York Times best-selling author of the sci-fi adventure Flood City, the middle-grade historical fantasy series Dactyl Hill Squad, the Book of Lost Saints, Bone Street Rumba Urban Fantasy Series, Star Wars Last Shot, and the award-winning young adult series The Shadow Shaper Cipher, which won the International Latino Book Award and was shortlisted for the Kirkus Prize in Young Readers Literature, the Andre Norton Award, the Locust, the... Mythopoic Award, apologies on that if I pronounced that wrong, and named one of Esquire's 80 books every person should read and one of Time's best fantasy books of all time. He co-wrote the upcoming graphic novel Death's Day and writes the monthly IDW comic book series The High Republic Adventures. You can find more info and read about his decade-long career as a New York City paramedic at danieljoseolder.net. And he's also the author of a couple of short stories in the From a Certain Point of View collections for both Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back. So there's that too. And we're going to kick off talking about that phrase that he uses at the beginning of his bio, lead story architect, because that's a new phrase. And so we'll dig into just exactly what that means. We're going to talk about his work on, obviously, the High Republic adventures and the whole High Republic initiative as well. And yes, not in today's episode, but in part two, you will definitely hear about buckets of blood. But there's a lot to talk about before we get there. And so without further ado, here is the first half of my conversation with Daniel Jose Older, author of the IDW Star Wars The High Republic Adventures. Daniel Jose Older, thank you so much for joining me on Star Wars 7x7. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to talking to you. Oh, likewise. I'm very much looking forward to this, too. This is uh, a long time coming as far as your involvement in this High Republic project and now coming to fruition with the High Republic Adventures releasing earlier this week. How does it feel to just have it out into... Well, we're recording... (laughs) In full disclosure, we're recording this before the release, so knowing that it's going to be out in the world, (laughs) how are you anticipating that feeling to, to be? I'm already enjoying it. It's already amazing. <laughs> I can imagine how amazing it's going to be. No, seriously, it's it's really been such a thrill to, you know, even in these past uh, two weeks, just to witness the joy and excitement that so many people have had from the work that's already come out in the High Republic. And, like, I, I mean, the work, you know, the two books that came out are by Charles and Justina, and they're fantastic. And they're not by me, but as a team member, I really do share in the excitement around everything happening. 
and I've just been soaking it all in and enjoying it. And people are so invested so much already. And I just love it, you know, like the excitement, because I share that excitement. Like all the writers are invested too, you know, so it's just amazing to like feel the investment from other people. And, And even with the comic, which hasn't come out yet, there's people excited about those characters already. And that's just, that's the biggest thrill as a writer. Like I just really enjoy it and, and it's just very pure. Yeah. And you, you know, being a writer involved in it is one thing, but your bio actually describes you as a lead story architect on the platform. Yes. I'm wondering if you could uh, share a little bit more about that conceptually. Like what does it mean to be a lead story architect? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what we all are, all, the, the, all of us involved, you know, on that level. And it really is that we're both dealing with our individual projects and looking at sort of a bird's eye view on the whole of the story, you know, from uh, the world now knows about the different phases and all those different pieces and how they all come together. And really just like, it's the macro and the micro and, and bringing them together to, to make something that makes sense and is very interconnected. And I think what's so cool about that is that's what I say this as a Star Wars fan. That's one of the greatest things about Star Wars is that there's so much cool interconnectivity that when it's at its best, doesn't feel forced, but just forced, no pun intended. Right. But doesn't <laughs> feel, you know, but feels like a very natural part of the world because the world is very interconnected. Right. And it's so mm-hmm. cool when, like, you're reading a comic and you're like, oh, they're talking about that dude from, like, Rogue One. You know what I mean? Like, it's so there's minutia, but it matters and it doesn't, um, again, doesn't feel like shoved in our face and that's cool in a way that like almost time travels right because there's like things that happened literally 30 years ago that we're pulling from on the other hand it's in a different kind of cool when it's happening simultaneously right so we are literally on the phone with each other and on slack with each other like making sure our stories interconnect in really you know interesting and thoughtful ways and strategic ways because we are telling a large story as much as we're telling small stories and i think what really works about this initiative is that the stories work on their own you don't need any of the other books to make one of the books work but if you do read all the books you get a whole other level to the meta story yeah and you have just hit on in in little ways i think about every single question that i have for you no no that's (laughs) that's in that's in a good way because now i'm sitting here going oh gee whiz where do i begin with you um, right. <laughs> actually, you know what? Well, let's do this. Uh, so yeah. uh, I will say my my experience of your writing is limited to your Star Wars work, and you've obviously done a lot of other things outside of Star Wars. Uh, I will say my mm-hmm. experience of you is not as a linear writer in the sense that, for example, Last Shot <laughs> is not right. told as a linear story, and uh, even your short story step for from a certain point of view has that meta layer of the editorial right. written on it. <laughs> so uh, as approaching Star Wars, the High Republic adventures, is that sort of the, the way that you like to approach your storytelling? And does the High Republic adventures, you know, allow you to explore that or do you have to do it a different way? And I'll stop adding oh, this... categorizations and let you roll with that. <laughs> that's such a super interesting question um one caveat is with last shot that was sort of the nature of that novel from its seed from its inception was that it, it had to span the han we know and the han we were about to meet in solo right mm-hmm. so it, it just really required different time moments on the other hand nobody said like daniel you need to add a whole other time period with the bad guy and his origin story and, <laughs> and, and then like have l3 get really like 
like like galaxy brain at the end <laughs> like right. all this other crazy so that was kind of me uh, <laughs> it was really challenging to make that novel work with literally like four different five different time periods kind of like intertwining um that was a challenge that was i don't know if i would have picked it but i'm glad that i had it and i and i did my best but um but it is it does speak to i do love when like there's the the story is almost in conversation with its own format, and I think you picked up on that instead. It's also true in a weird way with um, my story in the original Fact Pop um, with Sardis Ramson. It's called Born in the Storm, and he's really filling out an uh, an incident report, right? Mm-hmm. And the the story is kind of bucking against its own borders, as it as it has to in a way because it's like the incident report wants everything to be in a neat little box, right? And right. the story itself and Sardis. Is his entire arc in that little moment of his life that we're glimpsing is busting out of his literal uniform, <laughs> riding <laughs> off naked into the twin sunset on a new back. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and so it's really like it's it's the story again, like intention with its format. And I just think that's like so interesting and, and a really fun approach to things is to kind of play with format. And the challenge there, of course, is like not to allow it to just become quirky. And like, oh, this clever little thing, right? But actually right. to make it worthwhile. It's just it's the same problem that like a monster movie has, right? If a monster movie is just about the monster, it's boring. But if it's a good story that also has a monster in it, that's Star Wars, right? And that's right. What's, that's there it is. Like but um to answer your question about IDW, I love that question because it's often been kind of those moments, not so much with time, but just with like what is my approach what is my entrance point to to a to a particular issue and with a couple issues already it's really been realizing like okay this story is about how these two characters are in contrast to each other right so issue one and we see this even in the first three pages but the whole issue really it's called collision course and it's about two very different people in very different worlds of the galaxy um who are on a collision course to crash into each other while there is a literal um, disaster on a collision course with a with the planet that one of them lives on, right? Right. But once I realized that, like, we're we're telling Zine's story and we're telling Lula's story, and they're coming from opposite places, but they're ending up in the physical same place, and you know, and whatever else that may mean, um, that's when the issue snapped into place. Because I knew the story was about, you know, Padawan showing up on a planet to to help them out in a disaster, and the Nile showing up too. But that could be so many different things, and it really was being like, here's the two different points of view I'm telling the story from that made it all, again, like made it click. And that's when it was like, okay, if we're doing that, then I wanted to have these two pages, pages two and four, and three, facing each other to really set up that dynamic from jump that, okay, we're, we're, this is the story we're telling. And here's how then throughout the issue they get closer and closer together until, bang, you know, that moment that, that really climaxes the whole, the whole story. Now, this, to me, you know, it sounds like you are also very well served by the fact that in, you know, as I understand uh, some of your other writing that I've just, you know, explored at the top level, you don't just <laughs> write prose, you also you know, write other elements for things like with Flood City, there are posters and textbook pages and all these other things, but you have, but you've never written technically for comics before though is that correct right and yet you are deeply versed in the world of comics from just your own childhood so does that all then get thrown into the mix as you consider how to deliver a story like this yes totally that plus just tons of reading about them i mean okay tons of reading comics literally yes from childhood on like and wanting to actually 
if I'm really being honest, the, one of my first dream jobs was to be a comic artist um, mm. and, and creator. And one of the first projects I ever did at the ripe old age of, I think, 10 or 11 was <laughs> try to do a graphic novel version of the Iliad. Um, wow. You know, as one does. As one does. <laughs> I was that big a nerd. I was a huge nerd. Wow. I either wanted to be a comic book artist or a political cartoonist, or probably both. Mm-hmm. But I was obsessed with both of those mediums, you know. So I've always been creating. I've always been storytelling, and even at a very young age, I was creating comics. Um, but um, this is my first like actual real, real comic. <laughs> so it's it's that it's like that all, that lifelong love of it. It's really studying the you know the medium in books and and reading different writers about their process. Um, Scott McCloud, of course, like Bendis has a great book about it. Um, and then talking to, uh, I have a lot of friends who write comics. And so really like picking their brain about it and especially not limited to, but also just other prose writers who've moved over to comics, you know, which is an interesting move. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's really been like a, a, the past couple of years of just really like researching and getting deep with it. So when you went to Skywalker Ranch and knew mm-hmm. that this was being developed, did you know that comics were going to be part of the whole initiative? And did you walk in there thinking to yourself, ah, I hope I get to work on the comic side of things? Or yes. Oh, you did? Yeah. No, that, 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 that was it. That was it. I think I told Mike. <laughs> I was like, you know, I know I'm a prose writer and I'm known for that, but like comics is really where it's at for me right now. And that's what I want to do. And he was like, what about a middle grade and a comic? And I was like, bet, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, here we are. (laughs) That's terrific. And I was just watching the the Disney Insider episode that featured the High Republic and um, your particular bit. Oh, it was wonderful. Oh, and just... To see the expression on your face and everybody else's face walking into the room yes. where you get to see all of the concept art. Oh, my gosh. Something that – I know you have a question, but let me just say it quick. Something no, yeah. that um, pro, comic, books, comic writers, I think, don't realize about the joy of going from prose to comics is that prose writers will go their whole career and very often get, like, cover art and maybe some fan art of their work, tops. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a very mm-hmm. – successful and lucky and blessed prose writer will get lots of fan art and that's amazing but for the most part art is a rarity for us so to suddenly just get our inboxes deluge with amazing artwork and harvey tolibau is an amazing artist um it just feels like christmas every day of the week like it's such (laughs) an incredible feeling particular coming from the dearth of art that is prose writing like Mm -hmm. it can't be stressed enough but go ahead. <laughs> oh, actually, um, I'm going to pivot because you mentioned Harvey and um, I watched the launch event for the High Republic. And the I think the moment that jumped out at me most out of everything was just one small moment with you where mm-hmm. you mentioned that um, Harvey's artwork taught you things about Lula yes. that you did not you know, that you didn't know yourself. And everything you said so far about just wanting to be an artist when you were younger and your appreciation for that really yeah. speaks to that particular quote as well and informs that. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about Harvey's work and about what you learned more specifically about Lula and any of the other characters um, totally, from totally. his work. Yeah, and it's it's hard because it's the type of stuff that the the reason I had to learn it from the art is because it is the very type of thing that's really hard to put into words, right? And that's mm-hmm. what art is so great for is that like I can't write you know a sentence that describes certain just energies about a person or the way they carry themselves or I probably could, but it would be really really hard and it would probably sound really forced and like I was trying to like 
prove to you something, right? But mm-hmm. but with a couple pen strokes, like Harvey can get across, um, or in Harvey's case, like very meticulous and very <laughs> you know amazing line work. Um, Harvey can get across things that are just like the subtleties of a character. Um, so it's really hard to put into words exactly what it is that I took from it, but it's I just know I I have very concrete memories of like looking at his art and being like you know yes like this moment she, you know it's like things that like you know I wrote her to be afraid but her but her face looks determined and it's kind of the cross section of like crossroads of like being determined and being afraid and like putting and she's talking very literally in the prose about uh, putting on a mask and like not looking afraid even though she is terrified and kind of like the way he grasped that and then brought it to life it's just incredible to me and then a character like Crix, you know who is very complicated in in the way I wrote him but I feel like even more complicated in the way he's drawn on some levels or, or complicated maybe the wrong word but there's new levels because of how he's drawn and just like the the, the stress that's <laughs> that's embedded in that character that <laughs> Harvey really gets gets across perfectly um, there's there's one particular panel at the very end of the comic that I always come back to of him just in a moment when he feels betrayed and Harvey like just left the whole it's a it's one of those long thin panels across the top Mm -hmm. and Harvey left it just blank and it's just him this is Crick's like screaming and and then um uh, Rebecca Nalti the colorist you know just made it just red and it just it's such a perfect representation of just like this guy is pissed and it's like so well told but he also just like distraught, right? Like there's anger born from like all kinds of different things. And in this, you can tell he's really hurt. And that's a really key part of who he is. So it's things like that. And then larger than that, you know, it's just, I think Cav made mention of this um, at different points. It's that we've just taken so much from concept art that's been created along the way. A lot of it has been released. So people have seen it. And it's always funny because they're like, hey, who's this character? Oh, this lightsaber is a different color. <laughs> like, oh, that's concept art, right? Like. I get it. Like we all really want details about stuff, and we want it to be fixed. But a lot of that was created before we even started writing, or as we were getting started. So we would pull characters from those concept art pieces and be like, "Let's let's see who this person is," you know. And then that would end up a character. And that's that's the great thing about writing Star Wars. It's an ongoing conversation between creator and artist. You know, writer and artist. We're all creators, and just the levels to that has really been so enjoyable. And we get. Credit is the story architects, and like I said, we do have the micro and the macro kind of in the palm of our hands that we're working with, but like the artists in this case are very much writers too, and that's important to realize. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, they contribute as much to it in their own particular way. And I, I find that you know there may be even situations where you know the art ends up being something that can replace the prose in certain moments as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. And that's what I've been uh, enjoying with Harvey is like having an artist you trust means you can kind of go Marvel method on some pages and just be like, you know what, have these giant creatures smash up against each other and let me know, you know, however many panels you need, like here's two pages, go to town. I'll meet you you on the next page and then we'll throw in some dialogue. So you have mentioned dinosaurs in multiple interviews. (laughs) (laughs) Let me say, multiple interviews have mentioned dinosaurs with me. I usually don't even bring up dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) So it's become this this virtuous circle, basically? (laughs) Right, exactly, exactly. Well, I have a series, I have a middle grade series 
called Dactyl Hill Squad that's dinosaurs during the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, kids riding dinosaurs. It's, they're, not, <laughs> they're not they're not actual people. <laughs> right, right. The dinosaurs aren't uh, talking characters. It's like kids. They're basically beasts of burden in this society uh, during the Civil War. And so, and I was writing it during the early stages of the High Republic uh, planning. So that's how it ended up on the board because I, I kept jokingly bringing up dinosaurs mm-hmm. and someone else wrote it on the board. And uh, But also... You know, dubecks, not for nothing, are one of the things that, A, I loved as a child in, in Star Wars, and B, I think, really well represent what's so great about Star Wars, which is that even this this one, like, two-frame beast that we see in a pan shot in the background, <laughs> barely, mm-hmm. right. you know, matters and, and deepens the world and has a backstory and has a name and, a, and everything else. And, like, that's what's so cool about Star Wars. So it's, like, the dinosaurs, but also, like, the world building aspect of dinosaurs being on a desert planet as beasts of burden of an invading force is amazing. And so I have to ask, um, yes, do, you know, does a dinosaur or something similar to it or just monstrous in general end up somewhere in the high Republic adventures? Yes. Oh, how wonderful. <laughs> I'm very happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Life is good. I mean, throughout all my work for sure. It's really like, <laughs> expect more monsters because that's you know i i, I was i did an interview the other night I, someone was asking me about top top three i think star wars movies which is an impossible question and changes every week but mm-hmm. one thing i know is like i love rogue one for its storytelling and for so many other aspects but like it it's not in my top three because i'd like more monsters in my star wars <laughs> you know what <laughs> i mean which is personal like it's still one of the best star wars movies no question i think hands down like beat for beat script for script it's one of the best ones um, but like Return of the Jedi is my number one movie because of the Jabba's Palisade period, like alone. That's mm-hmm. it. Uh, so, yeah. you know, Star Wars is a very personal. <laughs> it is. It is. I still, I cannot watch the moment that Luke jumps off the little skiff and grabs the end right. of the plank and flips <laughs> back up without like my, you know, the breath collapsing in my chest. Like, oh, at, totally. it's still the, the uh, moment that gets the, me the most. When I think about the last... 10 minutes of the last um, Mandalorian episode. Like, I was standing on my feet with my mouth hanging open for, like, <laughs> 10 minutes straight without moving from the minute the X-Wing showed up and, and like, I knew in my soul. Like, that was one of the greatest Star Wars moments of all time, period. Mm-hmm. Hands down. It was so good. Oh, yeah. It was beautiful. Oh. Yeah. All right, that's where we're going to leave things for now, and we'll pick up with the second half of the conversation on tomorrow's episode. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for this episode, as always. And may the Force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items, are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders, may the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.